Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Blair Cook. And I'm Jen Nicholson. And today we are joined by Yasmin L. Ramley, who is the Senior Technical Manager of Diversity and Inclusion at the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants, where she oversees women's initiatives, firm services, and international projects. Prior to joining the AICPA, Yasmin worked for CPA firms of various sizes, a big four, a national firm, and a local firm. Yasmin published articles on women in accounting, removing the barriers to success, women's initiatives, a strategic advantage, lowdown on high potentials, and keep the best and the brightest. And today we're talking to Yasmin about unconscious bias in the workplace, talking about how important it is to have diversity and inclusion in any workplace and how we can understand what the barriers are to having more diversity and inclusion and what are some best practices to take away those barriers. Let's get started. So I'm excited to be here today with Yasmin L. Ramley, who is a Senior Technical Manager, Diversity and Inclusion for the AICPA, I guess our American counterpart. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Yasmin. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, how did you end up at the AICPA? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your path to where you are now? Absolutely, absolutely happy to. So I am, I am, uh, I worked for three different CPA firms, accounting firms in the US. I worked for a big four, I worked for a national accounting firm and I work for a local CPA firm. Uh, so all those three accounting firms had different sizes, different cultures, uh, diff- you know, everything was very different obviously, but they had one thing in common. They all had at that time no um, uh, woman partners at, the, at that time. So I was very excited to come and join the AICPA, uh, the Association, American Institute of CPAs, to help uh, accounting firms and help women uh, advance in the profession. So that's how I got started eight years ago with the association. Are you actually an accountant yourself? Yes, a CPA? I'm, I'm a CPA myself. A uh, yes. U.S. CPA? Or? U.S. CPA. Okay. U.S. CPA. And you live in North Carolina, but you are French. That's right. And so that must be a little bit um, different, I guess. There's not a lot of French people there, I wouldn't think. Yes, you know, and I'm a city girl too. I grew up in Paris. So going from Paris, a big city like Paris, to uh, Durham, (laughs) North Carolina, which is not uh, very, you know, not a big city for sure. Uh, So it was quite an adjustment. But uh, again, I'm very happy to be here at the conference today and speak in two languages. I did the presentation on unconscious bias yesterday in English and today in my native language. So it was so exciting and happy to be here and and be able to do that. That's great. And uh, you're talking about unconscious bias and how important diversity and inclusion are in all organizations. What are the advantages of having diversity and inclusion? Yes, it's a great question. What's the advantage of having diversity and inclusion? Um, So I think that's really the question to ask, right? And so, you know, when it comes to, to diversity, so it's important to explain first what we mean by diversity and inclusion so we can be on the same page uh, and have the same definition in mind. So diversity first is different. Uh, the minute you have two person in the room, uh, you have diversity. Even if you take identical twins, they may, they may look the same on the surface, but they're certainly not the same. They have different personality, different characters. So as soon as you have two people, 
you have diversity, right? Um, and then uh, in my presentation, I talk about visible traits and invisible traits of diversity. Yeah, you have a great visual slide that shows an iceberg, and yes. above the water are your visible traits, such yes. as race, gender, age, and below the water are the invisible traits. But how do you ensure that you get the diversity of that includes the invisible traits. Right. And I guess, what are the invisible traits? Right, right. No, I mean, those are excellent questions, all great questions. So, you know, the what are the invisible, so the visible traits are what we're born with, right? So, uh, you know, it's age, gender, everything, you know, physical uh, uh, traits, uh, all the things that are visible and what we're born with. And then, and it's only, you know, you, the, the picture you're talking about is an iceberg. So what you can see is only 10% of who we are and we're losing so much information and we're missing out on so many things when you're not able to go below the surface of the iceberg to really learn about a person and really understand who they are and where they're coming from, right? So that's really the idea of the, the picture here. Um, and I can tell you that um, um, include so so for for let me tell you for an organization it's very easy to focus on the visible traits right because the visible traits are what they can easily identify and measure it's and sometimes it's a checking the box kind of thing isn't it exactly so they absolutely so it's easy for them to see how many women they have in their pipeline how many you know young uh, professionals they have because those are visible. Um, and, and easy to identify uh, in terms of metrics. But the challenge for an organization as well as for individuals is to be able to have a discussion to the next level, take the uh, discussion at the next level with, uh, with invisible traits, right? And this is um, really where, you know, the more challenging because first you have to be able to identify those invisible traits for the organization in order to be able to measure them. So you have to have those conversations that may or may not be appropriate in the workplace. Of Absolutely, course. because uh, what, what would be some examples of invisible traits? Yes, so example of in invisible traits are, you know, education, religion, uh, communication style, sexual orientation, ethnicity, marital statue, culture, you know, everything. It's really 90% of who we are, a huge portion of who we are. And you really don't really know somebody just by looking at, at the surface. It's really below the surface. So, you know, so so back to, to your question about why DNI, right? So we talked about diversity, we now inclusion. So diversity is inviting people to the party. Inclusion is inviting them to dance, right? So you can it's see- a very different thing. Very different thing, absolutely. And it's really, you know, inclusion is so important because it's going to, uh, m you know, make or break your experience. If you're going to the party, but then you're not part of the party, you're left aside, you're not going to have a good time. But if you're invited to dance, then you're going to have the time of your life, right? So inclusion absolutely. will make or break your, your experience. And that is why, back to your question, why diversity and inclusion is very important to be able to engage the entire talent pool, to be able to retain your staff, to be able to, to really have high performing team, you have to have diversity and inclusion at the same time. 
So that's why it's important. And uh, since we are accountants here, we like to measure things. Has there been evidence to show that there there are quantifiable benefits to having a diverse and inclusive environment? Yeah, absolutely. Great, great question. And, and you know, by the way, when I was you know walking and answer a question now, but you reminded me uh, since you know we're in Canada and Montreal. Uh, I was walking in the street a couple of days ago before the conference, and I saw uh, the office of the uh, Bureau uh, Immigration, and it's, it was called Office of Immigration, Diversity, and Inclusion. And wow. I was very impressed, very impressed that, you know, immigration cannot happen and be successful if you don't have, you know, diversity and inclusion at the same time. So I was very, very impressed with that uh, title. <laughs> with that, uh, so um, certainly they're making an effort to try to uh, increase the awareness of how important it is. Exactly, exactly. And what they're doing is exactly what organizations should be doing is make that same effort, right? So what's what's uh, your question was, uh, how do we know? How do we know that diversity and inclusion makes, you know, effective, effective team and make the company more successful? Well, so we, there's no shortage of, you know, studies that shows that when you have a, a more gender, more women, more ethnic minority on board, the company has a better bottom line or, you know, have more financial, better financial results. Now, I can tell you the one example, the one study I used during my presentation was a study from Levine and Stark. Uh, so Levine and Stark are uh, two uh, PhD, and their study were were published in the New York Post, and also by or picked up by the New York Post and published by the Business Harvard Review. So what they did is they recruited participants, uh, participants, and they asked them to calculate the uh, accurate price of simulated stocks. They divide so a very complicated ask, right? And um, they divided those uh, participants into two groups the homogeneous group and the diverse groups. And they noted, you know, and they did this study in the US as well as in China. And across all experiments they had, and in both countries, they noted that the uh, diverse group were 58% more accurate than the, wow. than the other groups, right? So they really demonstrated when you have different perspective in the room, you're able to uh, have more uh, more, you know, to challenge each other, to bring new ideas, new perspective. You're more prompted to error detection because you don't take things for granted, right? You, so that's really, um, they showed that diversity brings to error detection, to innovation, to growth, to change, because they don't take things for granted and they will challenge each other and ask uh, questions and bring new perspective. Wow, that's pretty startling. Uh Statistic. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, so one of the questions I asked during my presentation, I asked, you know, the participants, can you have diversity without inclusion? And the, the answer, of course you can, but you're not going to have high performing team for that reason, right? To have high performing team, you have to have diversity and inclusion at the same time to really uh, make the most of, of your talent. So. I guess one of the big reasons that we don't end up having inclusion, even with diversity, is unconscious bias. How do we define unconscious bias? Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, it's a very tricky subject. I can tell you that. It's also one of my favorite because maybe maybe that. Uh, so, you know, it's so unique for us to be talking about our unconscious behavior, to be having this discussion consciously. Right. So that's already very unique. 
Uh, and then, of course, you know, um, bias has a negative uh, connotation as well. Yes, so, absolutely. Right? So but we all have bias. All, all, all of us, right? All of us. It's part of being human. It's the human nature. And that makes it even so in interesting because it really concerns all of us. Uh, you know, I, I play a very nice video that shows by Accenture at the beginning of the video, uh, which which is called Diversity Starts With I, if anybody is interested in, in watching it. Div uh, sorry, inclusion. Inclusion starts with I, writing uh, the letter I and me as a person. I can, you know, start inclusion in my company. So inclusion starts with I, and it really shows that we all have uh, biases, unconscious or conscious biases. It shows, you know, the the uh, a, wom a mom, a woman, for example, uh, that says, you know, because I'm a mom, uh, they think I'm less commi committed to work, and they s they show the uh, a man, and and they say because I'm a you know I'm a father, they think I'm not uh, involved in my kid's life. So it's really, really, really involves all of us with no exception. Interesting. And, and where do these biases come from? Right. So, you know, that's a great question. So where did this bias come from? So why, you know, so why talk about diversity and inclusion first? It's because bias is what really stops DMI progress in the organization, right? So that's where the notion of bias uh, is introduced. And what those bias comes from, the unconscious bias, they come from our brain. So what, what happens is, you know, the researcher uh, have uh, estimated that the, the brain is subjected to 11 million pieces of information, 11 million pieces of uh, information at any given time. At, uh, in a day, you it, would have that kind of At, at a certain mo moment, right? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 11 million, right? So that's, that's a, a huge number, right? I don't know how they come up with yes, such a precise number. Yes, I always wonder where you, where you get these stats. Don't ask me that. But, I know. Uh, but, but, you know, but regard, it's million of information, right, at one given time. So there's really no way for us, for our brain, to be able to process that many information at one time. Oh, absolutely. Right? We don't have the bandwidth, we don't have the skills, we don't have the memory, we don't have the time, uh, number one, right? So the so the so uh, what the brain does, it's going after encountering the same situation f five times, it's going to start developing mental models. And those mental models that pre-exist are going to lead to unconscious bias, right? Wow, interesting. Yeah, and the, you know, also the brain is only counts only for two percent of our body weight, but it takes twenty percent of our energy. So it's also, you know, for self-preservation, it has to find shortcuts uh, as well, you know, in terms of. Uh, um, uh, energy and self-preservation for, for for the body. So that's what um, you know makes um, creates unconscious uh, bias. So so would it be? Um, I, I guess the things that we're exposed to the most then are what's going to cause that, and that can come from our upbringing, our education, our culture, our religion. Yeah, anything, anything, you know, so I, I give two examples. So the example I give is that, for example, you know, you come back from work, you're exhausted, you get into the car, you're playing your day in your mind, the highlights of your day. And then 20 minutes later, you find yourself in front of your house and you have no idea how you got there, right? Yes, I've had that happen. Right. <laughs> it's kind of scary, actually. It's, right. So, and, and you know, because you, you probably did the home uh, work trip more than five times, <laughs> yes. so your brain went on into autopilot, right? And then you realize, oh, you're home. So, so that's just having some shortcuts after five of experiencing the same situation for five times. And I asked the audience uh, yesterday and today, have any of you 
played, you know, Simon Says, right? Because the game Simon Says is really pretty much that uh, your brain eventually will go to autopilot and think you said Simon Says and, you know, it tricked you, especially if you give the same instruction five times or you use Simon Says five times, then you're most likely going to, you know, to jump and, and, and do the same, you know, or be wrong. You're going to right. think, you know, the Simon Says direction was given the sixth time. Um, but it's not always the case, of course. So that's, you know, how the basis for that game. And, and you know, and something also to, in, important to point out, which I do, do during my presentation, is unconscious bias is not necessarily always negative. I know it has a, it has a, of course, a negative um, connotation. But I give two examples. I give two examples of um, uh, how unconscious bias can be positive. Uh, the first example I give is. Um, when uh, back in the days when our ancestors were trying to survive, uh, you, the you know they created mental models to to know that tiger means danger, right? Not to go anywhere, to anywhere anything that's bigger than than yourself, than your size, and not able to to confront. So that was self-preservation, uh, and it was a mental model for them that they not necessarily you know fight to experience. Uh, those predators because they they knew best with the, this mental right. model that uh, they need to to be avoided um, and the other example I give um, is uh, you know marketers uh, marketers work and build on unconscious bias so that's how they sell their product that's how they develop brand recognition I give uh, in, in the audience I give you know the beginning of a tagline, right? An ad, and then I have them finish it up for me. Uh, that and that show that's your unconscious bias, right? Why we all g come up to the same conclusion because unconsciously we know the the result. We heard it f at least five times oh, in wow. the radio or on the TV, right? A and I'm really counting on the audience because I grew up in France and I really don't know those <laughs> slogan, right? So, it, like for example, you know. Uh, melt in your mouth and then they finish the sentence for me with you know m&ms not in your hand right right so so it's very interesting to see them finishes finishing all those sentences for me wow that's uh it's really quite fascinating so what are the types of biases that exist at work yeah so definitely i mean there's a lot of biases but uh, i'm focusing on seven in particular right uh, that i believe are, are very uh, prominent at work. Um, the first one is the confirmation bias. Uh, this one is really maybe more the personal life than the professional life for us as accountant. Uh, and why? So confirmation bias is when you know you have already an idea in mind and you're just looking for anything that will validate your preconceived ideas. So that's very very common in so in social media. You like you know a person's comment because they mirror what you think, and that's why you're a friend with this person in the first place, right? Right. Uh, so uh, so in the workplace, however, because we are CPAs, we have to exercise professional skepticism. Right, we have to vouch, test uh, what the clients give us, and not take things for granted. So the confirmation bias, I guess, as CPA, we are at an advantage um, at work. But it's really but right. You have to be careful, though, that when you're looking at evidence, that you aren't automatically thinking something is telling you what it's supposed to because of that confirmation bias. Exactly. Right, that you don't get enough evidence, for example. Exactly. We're all human beings. Sometimes we want to take the lazy route to the easy route, right? So and that's the confirmation bias. We have to be careful. 
Okay, what other ones are, are common? Yeah, so the other one I talk about is in affinity bias. So affinity bias is a very big one, in my opinion, in the workplace. So affinity is, you know, when you, you like someone, you'll have a natural bond with this person because they remind you of your younger self or because you went to the same school, you come from the same towns, right? So it's an easy icebreaker and it's, you know, easier to form something a relationship uh, you know with no effort right so of course when you when you find you do in the interview process and you find someone who you know you, you're going to like this person because you have you know you went they're to like this, you yeah they're like you exactly right so so this person probably is going to be asked to be interviewed or asked to be have a second interview whatever it is you know but that's normal behavior i mean that's you know we're all guilty to like or, or dislike people especially when we don't know them right but where it really can have consequences is in the workplace so once you have those recruits hired now you know because because unfortunately in in the uh, profession the accounting profession we, the leadership is more men than women and more white white men than you know women and minorities ethnic minorities and minorities are at a disadvantage right to have to find mentors to find advocates for them to help them uh, na navigate the workplace to help them get the key uh, client the stretch assignments so it's more challenging for them as a result to have this connection out of the gate um, and that's where having a formal diversity and inclusion initiative for an organization is important to be able to level the playing field. So, so really to create that awareness that you can't just have the, the same old stale, pale, and male. It's, uh, it still does exist in a lot of organizations. It's uh, as much progress as we've made, certainly as women, I know I feel that too, that there are still barriers there. Right, yeah. So we did a study in 2017, and it's, going, it's now we're going to have the results soon at the Women's Summit in November, uh, which we do in, in partnership with CPA Canada. And so, but back then when we did the survey, we had, uh, we found, uh, we surveyed 500 accounting firms in the U.S., and we find we find that more than ha less than half of the uh, of the partners, uh, not half, sorry, quarter, less than a quarter of uh, women uh, of partners were women, right? So wow. twenty four percent, something like that, of uh, uh, partners were women in the accounting profession in the U.S. Uh, back in uh, two, uh, 2017. So there's certainly a gap at the leadership level, and the number are even less in you know when you look at the minorities, right? Right. Uh, ethnic minorities. So certainly, you know, certainly. Um, it's just important to have to be intentional, intentional about engaging the entire talent pool, because the goal here is to keep the best and brightest in your organization, regardless of, you know, ethnicity or gender. But you want to make sure that you have this opportunity for the organization as well as for the individual. And of course, uh, so many clients are going to be diverse as well. So you want to ensure that, you know, maybe there's that affinity bias that comes in that can help you retain clients or attract new clients that are different than than you absolutely absolutely you want to mirror your 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 marketplace right absolutely 
um, and we hear, you know, from time to time about uh, accounting firms who went to, you know, to uh, meet a potential client who happened to be woman-owned or have woman leaders uh, and w without anybody, on any woman on their team going to meet with the client. So certainly there's easy things that could be addressed or, you know, and that's why it's important to be intentional about uh, those efforts so you can be able to do exactly that. What other kind of biases do we have to deal with in the workplace? Yeah, so another one that I believe is very, very important, I believe it's underrated as well, is observation bias. So why it's underrated? So first I'll tell you what's, what I mean by observation bias. So observation bias is the tendency to see, you know, uh, to, uh, for example, um, so to, a tendency to see what you expect to see. So for example, when I was pregnant, I just happened to see pregnant women everywhere I would go, right? Yeah, so, that's funny how that happens. Exactly, right? You're just more receptive or into into it. And for those men listeners, right? So they, if you go to buy a new car at a dealer, uh, and you're, you know, you do some research, you negotiate, and you're very happy about your selection because you, you know, believe you haven't seen this car before. And as soon as you get out of the parking lot, you see this car everywhere <laughs> yeah. suddenly, right? So true. So they all got the memo and decided to buy the car right before you. So, so yes, yeah, so observation bias. Uh, so that's, you know, in our personal lives, how it comes into play. But it's really underrated in, in I believe, at work because observation bias is really what's going to have it's the glass ceiling uh, you know in a certain way because if women don't see for example in that situation if women don't see women leaders in the organization then the organization is sending indirect signal that there's no place for them in the organization and they may not not even be aware of that fact, of that signal, right? But you cannot be what you cannot see. If nobody looks like you or... That's it, a great quote. You, right? You can't be what you can't see. Absolutely. Exactly. And I have another one too, which is not mine, but I'll, I'll use it. It's uh, uh, inspiration brings aspiration, right? So, so it's important, very important to have role model in the organization to showcase to those, you know, young leaders, men, women, you know, minorities, ethnic or not, all type of minorities that, uh, you know, the sky is the limit and they can do anything they, they want to do and they don't have anymore to sacrifice their uh, personal life for their professional's life as well, which is very important thing for not only women, but also the younger generations today, right? So, so, so for that, organizations need to have, you know, to have uh, visible role models in the organization, to have employee resource group, or make sure that uh, the women are uh, grooming, um, grooming and mentoring the women uh, below them, right? And it's not just women, but it's just, you know, telling them that it can be done and I did it, right? So just getting this message across is very important. And, and we know you have a lot of organization where you can only have one CPA on the business and industry side, right? So for those organizations, we have, as a profession in the US, we have events to celebrate women. 
So we have the most powerful woman in accounting, which we've done in partnership with CPA Canada this year. Wow, it's actually, that's what it's called? The yes. most powerful woman in accounting. Exactly. Most powerful, <laughs> 25 most powerful women oh, in wow. accounting. Yeah. So we've done it in partnership with CPA Canada this year. So it was U.S. and, and uh, Canada. Uh, it was recognized at Engage. It's just, you know, celebrating the woman's accomplishment, celebrating us, right? Uh, we have the Woman to Watch Awards at the state level just to celebrate the woman in your community, right? And have these role models for you that you can refer to. Because, uh, you know, sometimes some days are easier than others. So it's good to know, yes, you know, this is just a bad day. It's okay, I can get over it because, you know, I, I know others did, right? Who look like me and sound like me, etc. So it's important to have those role models so women and minority do not deselect themselves. What do you think about the idea of quotas? Or, do you think it's, it's, it's a good idea or are you somehow, I mean, the, the controversy around it is that you're lowering your standards right. to try to increase the diversity. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a hard question too. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think it's good and bad, right? I mean, there's really no perfect solution. It's good because it's important to have, you know, this topic on top of mind for everyone, right? Very important. Uh, and it's a, very important to, you know, we have to start somewhere, you know, and sometimes the best way to get started is just to force people to do it. It's sad, but, you know, so it's one perspective. On the other hand, you know, the idea here is not to promote a woman because they are women uh, or, you know, give them a board position, but it is to, pro to promote them because they are excellent candidates and they just happen to be women. So that's really Absolutely. what it is because we all know there's no shortage of excellent candidates that are women and minorities. There's no sure, there's tons of talented people, but they need to be given a chance. And if that's the way they're given a chance, then why not? But of course, you know, we have to be, to be careful and to, you know, with how it's interpreted. So that's always the, the challenge. So you talk about an acronym, um, Time's Up, Wake Up. Right. So what does that stand for? Yeah, so, you know, here, what, what we do is really to just give them some direction on what to do uh, to address those unconscious biases. So my approach is, first, we have to understand why we have them, which we discussed. We have to understand what they are, which we discussed, you know, you know because part of naming what we have is half of the problem already. If you can give it a name, now you can, it's easier for you to address it and right. to, to think about it. Yeah, and to take away maybe the stigma because of the fact that we do all have unconscious bias right exactly absolutely exactly and um, and then so what you hear will recommend for that you know particular slide is you know uh, the three steps you, everybody needs to do and the three steps are recognize reflect and respond um, so recognize of course is the hardest piece because you know because it's unconscious uh, so sometimes you need just help from your colleagues, your peers, you need to open this line of communication and invite them to challenge you or to put you on the spot if, you know, to help you identify some of those bias, right? There are uh, tests you can do that will identify your unconscious bias. I know I went to a course uh, last year and before the course we were required to do a test. Yeah. And I was actually, I was surprised at how biased I was and not realizing it. And a little bit 
disappointed right. in myself. Yeah. But So what do you think of those tests? Do you think they're accurate? Do you think they're appropriate? Is it something people need to do? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and you know, so I talk about the specific test in my presentation. The one I talk about and mention is Project Implicit. Uh, so, you know, it's done by uh, Harvard, concert, uh, uh, Harvard people and the University of uh, Washington and Virginia. Uh, so it's uh, it's anonymous, it's free, it's called Project Implicit. I invite anybody to Google it if they're interested. So yes, you know, of course, uh, so I've done it too. You know, I've tried it and I was not happy with the result <laughs> yes. either. I can share that with you, yeah. even though, I mean, that's pretty and much my day Yeah, job, exactly, right? considering <laughs> that, that you focus on it so much. You're right, you, but, but it's... Uh, it's unconscious, I guess that's the key. Exactly, it is unconscious. So I, I think it's just good to be aware. Uh, it's just good to know where we're coming from, to have a baseline. Uh, you can or or can you may or may not sh- want to share those results. That's totally fine. You know, it's up to everybody's uh, uh, discretion to do that. Uh, but it's just interesting to ha- to have for your own benefit. Um, and you may agree or disagree. I didn't like mine. I thought I was not that biased. <laughs> But, you know, why not? I mean, it doesn't hurt to, to give it a try. You're right. And it really then, then uh, makes you aware. So you do recognize where the issues might be. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, so that's, you know, help you be aware and recognize. Absolutely. That's one of the tools to recognize your unconscious bias. Um, and then after that, you have to reflect, right? So, uh, reflect on what does it mean? Uh, how it's perceived, what's the impact on your uh, environment, your surrounding. And then once you reflect, it's easier for you to respond appropriately or as you may wish. Excellent. Well, those are uh, great tips for our listeners today and uh, really interesting information to help uh, all of our organizations get better. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me.